MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here we go. Pac-12 fans, this one's for you. Put your hands up, man! This is the Pac-12 Apostles. Keeping it real. And only the truth lives here. Pac-12 Apostles. Apostles. The funniest thing in the world happened right before we were getting ready to start recording this podcast. Arizona sent out a tweet. Week four in review. Our Pac-12 power rankings. Week five preview. And we're going to talk about Aaron Lowe and Brandon Gray. USC has a survivor series for their coaching job. And does Mario Cristobal go too far? I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amston. And this is the Pac-12 Apostles. This is the podcast by Pac-12 fans for Pac-12 fans where you can get the truth. You can get honest conversation about the conference and real information Thank you guys for joining us. You guys can shoot us a text message, 818-293-7547. That's 818-293-7547. Or shoot us an email, I'm at I-M-M-A-D at unafraidshow.com. So, Ralph, we had a whole plan for how we were going to start the episode. (laughs) And then you said the words to me, George, check your Twitter right now. I'm sorry, check University of Arizona football Twitter right now. And I'm thinking, okay, it'll be something, you know, cool. But never in a million years did I expect it to be this great. You did not, even with your overselling, with the enthusiasm in your voice, Ralph, (laughs) it... The greatness that was delivered to me was even better than that. So tell the people if they haven't seen it at this point, which they probably have if they if they follow the Pac-12 Apostles podcast or whatever. Can you read the people the tweet that you sent me? Okay, okay. 
So we had to delay the start of the podcast by 20 minutes because I've been crying laughing and you've been looking for the perfect gift to to tweet. But at 1.40 p.m. on Tuesday, September 28th, Arizona football sent out this tweet, this double siren emoji, and in all caps, it says, walk on tryout. For the walk on tryout packet and more information, please visit the link below. Hashtag it's personal. Hashtag bear down. Now, this is a common tweet that you would see three to four weeks before a season starts. Correct. This is not a tweet I've ever seen. Sent or out Vanderbilt out. and Vanderbilt had it last year when they were looking for a kicker specifically. Right. And this was sent out four weeks into the season after losing to Northern Arizona University for the first time since 1932. They, they, they're taking walk-on tryouts in the middle of the season and not even for like two more weeks. This tryout is on Tuesday, October 12th at 6 p.m. I would give anything, George, for Tucson Media to make this like a giant celebration, like yeah. turn it into a whole circus. Yeah. First Go down thing there, is, interview everybody who's on the way in and on the way out. Dude, what is your <laughs> what is your experience? Where did you play high school? Like we we got to get a background <laughs> profile on you because they may not have 24-7 profiles. So here are the requirements for the walk on. According to the article. So they they put a whole full walk-on packet together. It is on the Arizona website. It says, so he told you the uh, time. So Tuesday, October 12th, 6 p.m., check in at gate two of Arizona Stadium. Packets must be emailed in, all of that stuff. So if you go to the Arizona website, if you're interested. So here's the thing. The requirements. Full-time University of Arizona student. Registered with the NCAA Eligibility Center, proof of negative COVID test or vaccine card, sickle cell and EKG test results and physical examination within the last six months. So you so you have a couple weeks to get this done. And then so I was like, okay, let me see what's in this packet. They actually explicitly tell you they give you the website to register for uh to with the ncaa eligibility center they lay everything out for you there's a thing for your uh player profile jersey school high school high school coach name phone number all of this stuff dude they are they're serious about this they want to find football players (laughs) the desperation Dude, Jed Jed Fish on the sideline against Oregon, he just looked so defeated and disgusted. He was like, fuck it. We'll, 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 we'll just – anybody can help. Anybody's got to be better than the people we have. At this point. <laughs> you know, the funniest thing is, you know, they're actually like looking for a quarterback. Oh, my God. It's not it's not like they like, oh, maybe we can get some O-line, D-line depth out of this. Maybe we can get a kicker or a punter. Like, they're looking for a quarterback through mid-season walk-on tryouts. I mean, they're, they're starting quarterback only through five interceptions. Uh, he threw five interceptions. He's their third starter of the year through five picks. And they said, yeah, we're going to roll with him next week. <laughs> wait, he's starting this week too? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, hold up. No, no, no. They're, they're, they're off this week. So they're they're mercifully go. off this week. 
Oh, so this is a good time to get. <laughs> I asked you, my first thing I asked you is if you thought this was a message to the team, if he was trying to motivate the team. What do you what, mean? But you bro, wouldn't what? like publicly embarrass the program in order to motivate your own team. So like, we're literally okay, looking so, for people off the street to put you guys on the bench. So here they have gone through Gunner Cruz, two interceptions, two picks. Will Plummer, two interceptions, two picks. Jordan McLeod, who started against Oregon, two touchdowns, two touchdowns and five picks. Yes. So how do you differentiate between these guys? I mean, because because you've watched all three of their games. I'm sorry, all four of their games. <laughs> so, so, so explain this quarterback situation to me. Okay, so University of Arizona has actually ha- had some pretty good quarterbacks over the last 20 seasons. Um, Matt Scott, um, uh, Nick Foles, uh, Anu Solomon. Like they, they've got uh, Brandon Dawkins was more of a run first guy. He was okay. Uh, Rhett Rod, who prayers up to to Rhett Rodriguez, he he had a um, like a collapsed lung from a hit he took. He's the starter out at Louisiana Monroe, and so he's currently hospitalized. Um, but he, I think he started a game for them. Um, they had Zach Werlinger, a walk on, uh, start a game. I mean, they've they've had they've cycled through a lot of quarterbacks in trying to find the and then they had the Grant Gunnell, uh, Khalil Tate back and forth. Um, but for everything that you ever said about Khalil Tate or anybody ever said about Grant Gunnell, like those guys would be infinitely better options than what's going on right now. Um, they actually had a season like this. I'm gonna send you. I'm, I'm gonna send you a, a, a DM, George, uh, while we're while we're talking about it because they're they actually had a, a season kind of similar to this. It was back in 2003. They started, I believe, three different quarterbacks: Chris Hevner, Ryan O'Hara, and Nick Costa. And between the three of them, they had 14 touchdown passes and 21 interceptions over the course of the season. The whole team had 23 interceptions because they tried to run like two trick plays that both got picked off. And it really feels like that's the type of thing that they're they're headed into. Um, this year is just a, a, a mess. And then maybe looking for somebody to come in on the transfer portal. I covered Will Plummer in high school. I covered Gunnar Cruz in high school. I know Jordan McLeod has a lot of experience. Um, but whatever's going on there right now just isn't working. And it's not like they have a ton of offensive line, tight end, and wide receiver talent or running back talent to make up for the fact that, that you know, they can't cover up any of these quarterbacks' flaws or mistakes or, or errors that they're making. So it's just – it's kind of brutal. And no Jamari Joyner yet, which means, you know, a guy who'd be a top five offensive talent in the Pac-12, you know, has busted feet and, and hasn't been able to play yet. That's going to make things even worse. Your best player is a former walk-on in Stanley Berryhill. This is a bad situation. The cupboard is bare. Kevin Sumlin's to blame for this, but he's not the coach right now, so it all falls on Jed Fish. And they are sending out tweets in the middle of the season looking for walk-ons to come. I'm guessing to contribute. Yeah. Otherwise, why do this? Has to be. And if you are and if you are Arizona State, you have to retweet this, right? And be like, please, please help them. (laughs) Calling all Arizona people, uh, your your community needs you. If that's how savage that my program would be would be run, there's no way. I, I am I am going 100 percent in on them. Like I'm not letting this slide. I not. just. I, it's so it's been um, at this point. It was it's been up for 40 minutes. Um, 
you know from following University of Arizona on social, they don't really get much engagement on anything that they put out there. Um, not a super an online engaged fan base, um, even though they have one of the bigger followings in the Pac-12. This has been quote tweeted 130 times in 40 minutes, and it is almost all Arizona State fans with some U of A fans mixed in, just like shaking their head. Uh, it's it's pretty brutal. Someone <laughs> someone did quote tweet it and say, what about coach tryouts? Which is pretty brutal. Uh, Dude, I'm not mad at Jeb, <laughs> Jeb Fish, though, because he's doing the right things. Like, he's trying to get the fan engagement, all of that stuff. But he's like, yo, what, what do you want me to do? Like, help me. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> he is desperate at this point, point in time, and I don't blame him. It, he's Here's- just... <laughs> Here, here's another one from Coach David Thomas. He's an assistant basketball coach at D2 Westminster in Salt Lake. He said, I haven't been this dis- this depressed since the John Makovic era. It's proof that winning social media in the offseason does not mean you can coach. Oh, okay, man. see, see, look, it's quick to blame the coach, but th- this team was bad. It he, is a he bad, inherited it was an absolutely eight. bear covered. Can I? Because I see people like also poking fun at the fact that they convinced all these transfers to come in from Northwestern and Wisconsin and and other places like that, and everyone's like, "Oh, see those transfers not working out, are they?" George, do you imagine how bad they'd be without <laughs> without those guys? Oh my gosh, bro! Without without uh, transfers from Colorado and Wisconsin and Northwestern, can you imagine how bad they'd be if they hadn't convinced Stanley Berryhill to come back from the portal, like? <laughs> man like at least say what you want about jed fish and the fact that they're owing four and the fact that they lost to nau the fact that they're holding mid-season walk-on tryouts imagine what they would be right now if eight or eight to ten of the players on the team that are actually getting most of the reps hadn't have been convinced to either come back out of the portal or transfer in by jed fish you like to think that it couldn't be worse than it is right now but it absolutely could yes it could definitely be worse, which is, I mean, okay. See now, see now. Here's the thing. So there was a tweet that went out that made me think, and it said that the university. Uh, oh, it, it asked who would win first because the University of Arizona. I was sorry, Alabama. Oh, it was R.J. Young who put it out. Alabama hasn't lost a game since November thirtieth. 2019 Arizona hasn't won a game since October 5th 2019 which streak gets broken first that's a good question and a sad one Um, I said my money is on Alabama losing first Arizona doesn't play Colorado until October 16th and that's a maybe win and besides that there are no wins on the schedule I'm excited for that game. <laughs> How, dude? At least Colorado should be able to pass for over a hundred yards that game, right? Yeah, you would hope. You would hope so. I, this is a oh man, and what the messiest thing is like those two teams are extraordinarily bad, but so are a few other teams in the Pac-12. And you finally had your your theory. Um, proven out that the ACC w- wasn't going to have what the Pac-12 had at the top. So now I don't know where where I'd rather be ACC or uh, or or Pac-12 because yeah, you you have 
one team carrying the load with the possibility of two other teams doing some damage in the in the Pac-12 or if the you, ACC's if you, got nothing, bro. You're right. You're right. They got right. nothing. They Virginia they, can't play defense. North Carolina has no consistency, though they're recruiting like gangbusters right now. North Carolina State knocked off Clemson, but you know they're going to lose next week. Like that's just what they do. Yeah. Oh, okay. Man. So how? Okay. So Clemson is still ranked in the AP poll. They're ranked number twenty-five. They're ranked number nineteen in the coaches' poll, which makes no sense. Um, but they are some of uh, these some of these head coaches that are about to get fired want to be able to take uh, their offensive coordinator's job when he gets fired. Exactly. They got to give Dabo that extra juice. So. Uh, the ACC, if I'm reading this correctly, has three teams ranked in the AP poll. They are 23, 24, and 25. NC State, Wake Forest, and Clemson. So, yeah, but uh, in my top 25 that, that's coming out, there's not, what, what do you think the chance is that Clemson is ranked? I'm going to say no. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes say it's no going to be a no. It's going to be a no. I'm literally finishing it, and it's not de- – I can't see a scenario where they are ranked, especially do they are, they are two and two, including not scoring against Georgia, except for a field goal and absolutely being had by NC state. And it could have been worse is the bad part about it. All right. So now on to uh, last week's recap. So, we had to do a state of the pack 12 last week, but this week in conference play, things felt a lot more normal, right? Is that you had, you know, everybody who we predicted to win pretty much won. but uh, do you have the stats on how we did? Yes, I do. Uh, I think we went three and three on both ends, three and three against the spread, three and three and over unders. Okay. So that is, I mean, if you want specifically, no, no, we'll games. we'll we'll go through it as as the games go. Okay. Uh, so you, no, I was wrong. I went three and three in both. You went four and two against the spread, which means you're twenty five and fifteen against the spread in just as, in Pac twelve games. That's insane. Hey, Ten man. games over five hundred against the spread is insane, especially when you factor in out of conference play. And the fact that I'm 17 and 23 and I'm not terrible at this. So. <laughs> Perfect. Um, all right. Okay. We'll go with the first game that came up and that was Washington state at Utah, Washington state. Uh, oh, well, um, Utah won 24 to 13. <clears throat> but the unfortunate part about this game was, is that this game actually ended up taking a big time backseat to some real issues that happened to both of these teams. So on Friday night, um, a junior from Washington state, a junior wide receiver named Brandon gray um, was shot in Pullman. He was airlifted to Spokane. He was in critical, but stable condition as of right now, as we speak. And, And after the game in Utah, in Salt Lake City, a player by the name of Aaron Lowe was shot and killed. And he was a running back at Utah. 
He's from the great state of Texas. He was a, he was a safety at Utah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's safe- friends with Ty Jordan, the Correct. So to go into this, so you had these teams play. Brandon Gray, they knew that Brandon Gray had been shot prior to them playing because he didn't travel with the team. But then after the game, we found out about Aaron Lowe. And this story gets even more crazy because Aaron Lowe changed his number from two to number 22 after his late best friend, well, really good, good friend, Ty Jordan, who accidentally killed himself, who who was a Pac-12 offensive freshman of the year last last year. Um, He killed himself on Christmas with a gun in Texas. And then they Utah created a Ty Jordan Memorial Scholarship and then gave it to this kid, Aaron Lowe. And then Aaron Lowe is from Texas. They've known each other since high school. He changed his number from two to 22. He got that the Ty Jordan Scholarship. He's at a house party and fights break out. And some kind of way, he ends up de- deceased across the street when the police arrived and also a young lady that he was with was shot as well. And they said that she's in critical condition too. So Ralph, this was just a like football took a back seat and the results to the game took a big back seat after we found out this, this news on Sunday. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know what to say. It's we got into it on, on Rice or Wrong, our other show that we do Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, talking about just the fact that society seems to be devolving. It used to be able to go to parties to meet people, and now, if you don't know the people at the parties, you should really think twice about whether or not you're going to show up. And when you see people become victims of gun violence, just out living their lives, being young, having fun it makes you want to either not participate in, in, in like the fruits of youth, or it makes you want to arm yourself in order to participate, which increases the chances that there's going to be um, a violent interaction. And it's, it's just incredibly sad. It is incredibly sad. Like young people should be able to get together, hang out, have a good time without having to worry about people that don't know showing up, the situation getting sketchy, you know, and that's not to say that this is a new phenomenon. George, you know, it's not my yeah. experience tells me that it's not. I have an acquaintance that spent eight years in prison over a, a, a fight that broke out after this person was kicked out of a house party. Like yeah, it's not, it, it's bad dude. So recent, so recently I was with my family and we were going to go eat dinner at a yard house in Northridge. I dropped my son off. No, no, I'm sorry. We were going to Buffalo Wild Wings, which is right next to yard house. Uh, just a couple businesses down. I let my son out to go put our name on the list. And my wife was meeting us there. And I'm in the car with the baby, the other two kids, and the only kid that wasn't with, with us was our daughter because she was away at school. And we uh, leave. I, well, I'm trying to go find a parking spot. And all of a sudden we hear pop, 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 pop. As we're literally parallel to Yard House. 
And then we saw people walking with balloons, but I thought it was gunfire. But I saw the people with balloons. So I was like, maybe. And it was a group of them and they looked to be having a good time. So I was like, oh, maybe they were like set off some fireworks, like some more pop some balloons, something. And then my son goes, dad, was that gunshots? I'm like, I think so. And then all of a sudden he goes, dad, people are running. And then so I drive off and I'm freaked out because I'm like, where's my son? And then my wife calls and she was like, where? And no, I called her, said, where, where are you? She was like, I'm over by yard, yard house. Where are you there? People are running. And I go, Damon is in Buffalo Wild Wings. We were going to go park. And she was like, drive, drive away. I'm going in there. And she snatches him, runs into Buffalo Wild Wings. They lock the doors. And I am feeling helpless because I drive away because I have the baby and my and my uh, two younger kids in the car. And I'm like, I can't get out with them. I can't go help my my wife and my 15 year old son. And as a dad, that's feeling like super, super helpless. And then that takes me back to when I was younger and I've been in some of these house party situations that end up getting shot up and all this stuff. And it just. Like it just freaked me out because I can't imagine like that's somebody's son, dude. And somebody's son, somebody's parents have to go bury their, their child. And it's honestly, Ralph, it it was just, it was just sad. And then also when I was playing in the NFL, one of my teammates got shot, Richard Collier. He got shot 13 or 14 times. And he ended up living. He's paralyzed from the waist down, but he ended up getting shot 13 or 14 times. And it was during the season. Never forget it. He went to Mar- 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 Martini Mondays. Rich uh, Petway was driving the car. Somebody uh, they were at a young lady's house waiting on her to come out. Somebody pulls up, opens up the back door and shoots him through the seat a bunch of times. And I'll never forget what the rest of that season was like because nothing else mattered. Because you were like, bro, one of our, like, it it was just so heartbreaking. And this is not the first time that this has happened to Washington State. Like, it's still some of the kids on the same team when Taylor Heineke, uh, wait, no, 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 I didn't mean Taylor Heineke. um, What's his name? Tyler. Yeah. Yeah, um, the backup quarterback who was slated to start. Who? Yeah, who and he. Suicide. Yeah, and he committed suicide, and some of those kids are still on the team. And yeah. that I, I just, I just can't do. Like these the, these kids, it shouldn't shouldn't be like this. Yeah, I mean they they had Tyler Holinsky. They've had other issues out there too. And if you think about the Pac-12, George, like it's it's littered with kids from California. And I know for a fact, I know for a fact that one of these things that these parents tell themselves when they send their kids off to a city like Salt Lake, they send their kids to a city like Pullman. They're like, they Ooh, he'll be, he'll be okay. He'll be there. Safe there. It's yep. a family environment. It's a small community. I'm getting yep. him away from some of the shit that we have to deal with on a day to day basis. Like, thank God my son's in Pullman. Thank God my son's in Salt Lake. Yeah. No, it's everywhere, man. It's yeah. it, it, it's everywhere, and there's a lot of guns on the street, and I can't, in good conscience, tell you that it's not a good idea to to go out strapped up. I can't tell you that. 
Yeah. Am I supposed to it's, tell you? I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to tell you that there's people out there with violent intent looking to start trouble with young black men whose lives went right. So they have an opportunity to play football and better themselves. You might have somebody else feeling some type of way because their life didn't turn out right and hurt people, hurt people. And you want me to tell that person to not carry. Yeah. I'm not going to tell them to carry. I think it's a terrible idea, but I'm not going to tell them not to like, we're getting to the point where it's starting to feel like lives are at stake. Just living your life. Yeah. Dude, it's and it's tough. not it's not like Chris John. It's the, it, we've been seeing it in the NFL. Who's who's the Saints player? Was it Will Smith? Yes. Will Smith got shot and killed in traffic. Chris Johnson took a bullet. It's not it's not like relegated to just college football in the Pac-12. This type of stuff is going on everywhere, and you know that there's plenty of probably violent interactions that go unreported completely because they don't want it to get out there. Yep, one hundred percent. ASU and- had a player take a bullet. At a club, like four years ago, he got kicked off the team six months later for stealing wallets out of a dorm. But like ASU had a player get shot not that long ago. If you remember back to when our like college days or just after you were in the NFL, ASU had a player shoot and kill somebody else. Yep. You know, it's the- Lauren Lauren Wade, I think. But it's I don't know, man. It's. It, it seems to be a perpetual thing. I don't know if it feels like it's happening more or less, but I know that there's a lot of people out there. I heard a story last year of a Pac-12 interaction that involved a gun that never got out. That like that there's stuff going on and people carrying weapons because they think they need it because it's part of a, a lifestyle. I see some players that I follow on Instagram out shooting shotguns in the desert just as part of the thing they do in their spare time. And I'm not going to say that that's the wrong thing, but am I going to, am, am I, am, am I thinking in the back of my head that if this is what they do on a, on a um, Saturday in the off season, do you think that they're got something in the glove box when they're out and about? Yep. Yeah, of course, of course they do. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer, Dan Patrick, and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So now, on to that game now. So Washington State... Utah. This was a game that was marred by terrible quarterback play, Ralph. Terrible quarterback play. Uh, Washington State ended up having to start Jared Garantano, the transfer from Tennessee, and he looked like he did at Tennessee. He'll make some good throws, some terrible throws. And then Cameron Rising for Utah wasn't much better. And had it not been for Jared Garantano's bad quarterback play, and ultimately, like it, it would have gone way worse. No, no, I'm, I'm sorry. The the game would have been much better for Washington State had they not committed three interceptions. Yeah, um, Washington State is one and three and has had a lead, I believe, in the fourth quarter of all three of their losses. Yes. Yes. Yes, they have, Ralph. They have found a way to lose games because they they were up 13 to they were up 13 to 10 at the start of the fourth quarter and lost 13 to 24. And they didn't score after the third quarter. Um, They did not have a lead in the fourth quarter of the USC game. They had a lead in the second half of the of of the USC game. But but it stands to reason that they built a lead on on everybody that they played. And I don't know why they keep running out of gas. Obviously, Max Borgie getting hurt in the first half of this game wasn't great, but I thought Dion McIntosh did a good job um, having to carry more of the load there. You don't want to have to throw 36 times against Utah's defensive backs. You just don't. That's not ever going to work out in your favor, especially if you're not, you know, a, a – this is going to sound mean, but an above average quarterback, you know, obviously Jared Guarantano, the offense has looked a lot different when he's out there than Jaden Delora because Jaden Delora is able to move um, and make up for some of the, uh, what, what Washington state lacks on the offensive line, but he's very small and he's not super durable because of that. Um, This is a bad game. I mean, if you combine the two quarterback stat lines, one touchdown, three interceptions, 38 of 59 passing. It was bad. It's bad quarterback play all over the Pac-12, but especially in this game when you have two quarterbacks that started the year as the number two quarterback and they're out there playing like backup quarterbacks and ultimately the turnovers make the difference for Utah. Utah should not have won this game. Utah fumbled seven 
times. Seven. I've never seen a stat like that ever in my life. Yep. Yeah. There were times during the game when Kyle Whittingham looked like he wanted to puke. (laughs) I even tweeted out a picture of him just like rubbing his temples. He, oh man, he looked like he was done. The the crazy part is that they won the game though, right? Is that they won the game and it was still this gross. Yes. TJ Pledger had a good run. He had a couple of good runs. Um, Cam Rising actually did some stuff in uh, with his legs. Jaquin and Jackson, who is currently their backup quarterback with Charlie Brewer quitting the team, he came in and he got a rushing touchdown, so that was kind of cool. Um, but in the passing game, honestly, if it wasn't for their tight ends, they did nothing. Britton Covey only had two catches for eight yards. I think he had a fumble. Uh what a mess. Somebody had to win. This is going to be what the Arizona-Colorado game's like. Someone is going to have to win. Are you but- sure, though? Are you sure? <laughs> I am. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there has to be some way. There has to be some way that they, that they could find lose. a way to tie this game, right? I, are, there's no ties, right? Is there ties in college? I don't think there's ties. I, there, there would, they would find a way to do it. Hey, you know how like English soccer league, I don't know anything about supposed to call it football. I don't know. Premier league, whatever. You know how they can loan players? Yes. I wonder if we could do something like that, like a Pac-12 program where your backup quarterback's not going to play, but you still want him to be on your team. Oh, but you loan him out to (laughs) somebody who's not on your schedule. Like 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 Alabama could loan a quarterback to Arizona for like developmental purposes. And then he come back next year. Yeah, that way. That way. So you can loan him to the JV program. You can loan all your freshmen or some of your freshmen to Arizona the way that they could get some experience and then uh and then they can come back to you next next season as full grown players. Yeah, ima- like imagine and then all you have to do is give up one scholarship for it. So like and then the the loaner gets one. So let's say that UCLA wanted to give Ethan Garbers to University of Arizona for the year. Yeah. To start. Uh Arizona would go down to only 24 scholarships for the following cycle. And then UCLA would get 26. You may have come up with something, Ralph. I like it. That's what we do here. All right. I like it. All right. The next game up. I mean, because that was just a disaster. And neither one of these teams is any good. Uh, The next (laughs) game up in chronological order was UCLA at Stanford. And this game was funny to me because uh, I picked UCLA to win this game. I knew that they were going to win. Um, but Stanford put up a good fight, particularly in the second half, because uh, it was 21-7 to at halftime. And then Stanford came out with a few big plays in the passing game. But this game was funny to me because it was about – Dorian Thompson Robinson because he ended up kind of hurt at the end of the game and my wife was like yo the drama DTR with all the drama and she thought he was being dramatic yes and and she said (laughs) and she said dude he watched Jake Hayner get all this praise from last week playing hurt and he was like no I need this. I need this. I need a little bit of this. And she and she said, I think I think he's hurt, but it was a little drama on top. 
Because every time he threw, he threw a t- touchdown, then he died. Threw threw a great pass, and then he died again. Threw another great pass, and then he died. And then he just, and then he had a chance to run out of bounds, and he didn't. He found a way to take a hit through it, and she was like, "Dude, he's fine. Anybody who's really hurt that bad will is unwilling to take hits." And I was like, "Huh, that's reasonable." Uh, he looked for sure hurt. I mean, he got stuck. A couple of times like he he looked he looked hurt however however big however the way he was holding his arm it was impossible to tell what was wrong yeah it looked looked like it kept dislocating or something but i'm like but it, it looked like a bicep or something but the way he he was holding his arm bicep out just letting it hang also that was his passing arm george after he just threw some strikes. Yeah. So then he goes out of the game. Yeah. Goes out of the game. Ethan Garbers comes in. They bring Dorian Thompson Robinson back in. He throws a touchdown pass, which essentially put the game away. And then after the game, he went back and he sat on the bench with his bicep out arm hanging. And I was like, what could that be? Like when in my life have I ever been hurt in a way where, where that's what I'm doing. And, and, and what I came up with was a dead arm. Like if you get hit right on the tricep or something like that. Oh, like he just, like he was having a nerve issue or something. Yeah. So I was like, okay, he probably got dead armed. That's got to be it. And then at some point this week, <laughs> he said, "It's okay. It wasn't my throwing arm." And that's the most gasped I've felt since. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. I swear to God, I swear on my entire family that <laughs> I saw him. Let me see if I can find this. Because I saw people commenting on it, and I was like, wait, no way. There's absolutely no way. Okay, hold on. Uh, ben Bolch, LA Times. Dorian Thompson Robinson said it was his shoulder and arm issue. He said it was a shoulder-slash-arm issue in his non-throwing shoulder-slash-arm. Bruh, no way. No way. Where's this tweet? I'm going to send it to you right now. Bro, it he was, was. Bro, it was. He was holding it. Well, I've never seen it more obvious what was hurt in my entire life. It's his arm. I couldn't figure out what about his arm, but it was his right arm. And I remember even thinking in the moment, like, is he a lefty? How the hell is he going back out there? Then he threw the ball with that arm through the touchdown pass. And then he went back to the bench and he was holding his throwing arm. Do you see what I'm talking? You see the tweet? Yes, yes, I see it, bro. <laughs> Dude, that's Donald Trump level tweet right there. I mean, that's Donald Trump level, right, right, right there. No, 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 no. I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't say that. Dude, like, that's inc- funny. Incredible gaslighting. And I, so, so here's my question. Here's my question. Are Are you ready for this? Yeah. UCLA plays ASU next week. Mm-hmm. Okay, ASU straight up lied about the availability of Chip Trainum. Like he's been in a boot this whole time, and they keep saying like he's going to play this week. Yeah, he, he's in a boot. Okay, he's not like so they're lying. Like they're lying, right? Yeah, which is gamesmanship, which is part of football, whatever. But like the media exists, and you do this enough, people are going to point it out, right? Mm-hmm. So we have Chip Kelly and Herm Edwards about to go to head to head next week. Dorian Thompson Robinson says. 
it was not my throwing arm, which is a lie, right? ASU follows up by saying, hey, we're totally going to have Chase Lucas and Chip Trainum available for this game. And then Chase Lucas quote tweets it and says, see you in L.A. But like. Is anybody telling it like, are we going to see a game with no Dorian Thompson Robinson, no Chip Trainum and no, no Chase Lucas? Dorian Thompson Robinson will will be, be out there. I cannot speak for Chip Trainum and uh, Chase Lucas. Like, because ASU already lied once. Well, duh. And Chase, <laughs> and Chase Lucas not playing against Colorado was a surprise to me. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we shall see. I mean, he, he may be engaging in some gamesmanship too. So we shall see. All right. What kind of gamesmanship is that? When you just tell I, people you're someone that's like in a cast? <laughs> he just had a that's like usc telling him hey jackson J- jackson dart uh because you because you've had dante williams say he's day-to-day or week-to-week or something yeah like i that. guess yeah. yeah the old jackson dart thing of them being coy yeah i don't know it's just in the same breath of mario cristobal being like hey we don't duck people on injuries and then the next question was about justin flo and he's like well i don't know <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> All right, uh, Cal at Washington. Cal twenty four, Washington twenty one. This game was lost in overtime by Cal with a fumble on the one yard line, going in to go score in overtime. What was your takeaway from this game? Because my biggest takeaway was is that Jimmy Lake went to John Donovan and was like uh, last week before the. Arkansas State game and was like, whatever we're, we're doing, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah, we're going to run the ball some because they ran it 30 times, but that's a big departure from what they had been doing with uh, Dylan Morris and the way that they had been playing offense. And this looks like much more of a competent football team. Uh, you mean Sean McGrew getting 16 carries and scoring two touchdowns? Oh, that's that's the one you wanted to play, right? Yes. Yeah, because he's he's good. Like that that's what he's Washington stood, fans have been clamoring for him as well. He, he stood on the sideline doing nothing for the first two weeks. And now he's played in the last two weeks, and I think he has four touchdowns. Yep. Yes, he does. They didn't score four touchdowns in the first two weeks. Hmm. Hey, it's a miracle what 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 happens when you start doing the right things. No, um, no, it's in it's it's infuriating. It's infuriating. You should never a fan. This is the worst feeling in the entire world. The worst feeling in the entire world is being a fan of a football team, is being an outsider, and watching somebody who gets paid millions of dollars to do something, and you say like, "Hey, he should try this," and he's like, "No." And then you watch him do it unsuccessfully for a little bit longer. And you're like, you should really try this. It worked last time you tried it. And they're like, no. And then when all else fails, they try it. They have success. And then what are you supposed to, are you supposed to have confidence? Like, yeah, they finally listen. Like, no, like I, that leaves a mark. It is insane. It is insane to me that like you're you so have bad. Washington because you have Washington's entire fan base being like, Hey, Play Sean McGrew. What the hell are you doing? And the coaching staff be like, hey, we know what we're doing. It's like watching a toddler try to put the circle block in the triangle hole. (laughs) And you're like, hey, just let me help you for a second. Let me show you the right way to do it. No, no, no. 
And then you show them and then they look at you and they're like, oh, <laughs> like, you you shouldn't have the same experience with a damn toddler and with your head coach or your offensive coordinator. It doesn't make any sense. And so John Donovan, who you just brought up, just spoke to the media for the first time this season. I'm going to read you his quote and I want you to react to it. All right. Okay. This is Christian Capel. Um who covers the University of Washington for The Athletic, tweeted this. OC John Donovan, meeting with the media today, says he hasn't seen the criticism, but he knows it's there. Quote, I understand the narrative. I'm a New York Mets fan, so I read that stuff. I could probably assume what's being said. I understand the nature of it all. He's read it. He knows. Why do you think that they haven't had him for media availability for the past three weeks? And then all of a sudden they have two uh, good offensive performances. He's available for the media. And this week they play Oregon State. He may not be available for the media (laughs) next week. (laughs) Imagine coming out and being like, no, I get it. We're the Mets. (laughs) Yep. Dude, that's funny. The most dysfunctional franchise in all of professional sports. That's us. <laughs> exactly. Oh. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon. Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I don't know, man. What What do you think of Cal? 
Because obviously, like, Washington won this game. They have lost overtime. three games this year. They they could easily be 4-0 as well. I don't yes. know if Washington they, State they could lost be 4-0. To I don't know Nevada. if they They lost to Nevada at the end of the game. And they were up in the fourth quarter. They lost to TCU in the end of the game. They had an opportunity to tie on a two-point conversion. They lost to Washington at the end of the game. Yeah. Yep. So, so walk me through walk me through that because I watched most of this game. I did not go back and watch the overtime period. What happened? Okay, so uh okay, so Cal had the opportunity in in regulation, I believe, to to kick a field goal to win the game if I remember properly. Hold on, let me pull up the the uh play the play-by-play to make sure because they had the opportunity. So you had, yeah, Cal score. Yeah, Cal had the opportunity to kick with the end of regulation a 55 yard field goal to win the game. Okay. And they missed. They missed the field goal. Okay. And then it goes into overtime and uh, Washington scores. Cal, Cal wins the toss. Washington goes down and goes to score. Cal drives all the way way down. Don't get any to any situation. It's first down and goal. They hand the ball to the running back. And, oh, I did see that. And then yeah. he fumbled. Yeah. At the, at the one-yard line, Washington recovers. Game over. So, yeah. So, that was the game. Um And it'll be interesting to see our Pac-12 power rankings in just a few minutes. Uh, next game up. Arizona 19, Oregon 41. The Mm. score doesn't indicate what this game really looked like because Oregon was up, what, 24 to... It was 24-10 at the half. Yeah. And And they had an opportunity to make it 27 to 10, but Chris Hudson spun the ball. Uh, Yeah. And then the game got a little close. 24-19. Oregon only ran like two plays, two or three plays in the third quarter, and one of them was a safety. And so they gave them two two points. The game got to what nineteen to it was nineteen twenty four, and then Oregon just turned on the gas, and it was twenty seven, and then all of a sudden it was forty one to nineteen, and they got five turn, they got five interceptions off off McLeod and now they're leading the NCAA in turnover margin. What did you think of this game? Uh, all I know is if you got somebody on your team who can average 18 yards of carry, you should give them the ball more. Oh, you're talking about Travis. <laughs> I. I only do that because I know it annoys you. <laughs> this felt like this felt like last year's offense. A lot of quarterback runs. Um, not really going heavy with the running backs. Uh, I I was not overly impressed with Oregon in this game. If Jalen Red doesn't do that crazy pinball sixty-three yard touchdown reception, his only touch of the game, by the way. Uh, if he doesn't do that, then this game's even closer and more of a and, and more of a nail biter. That was a heck of a play by a very very athletic player. Um, ten pass completions in the whole game. Uh, CJ Verdell only gets 11 carries. That, that was intentional, though. They are saving him for the Stanford game because he's been beat up a little bit. So he's on a pitch count in some of these games that they that they know that they're going to win. 
Okay, well, I mean, so you get your quarterback hit 12 extra times instead. It seems short-sighted. You got Some seven of those McGee are on, on him, though. Yeah, I just you got seven McGee on the roster. You got other running backs on this roster. Like, Arizona's not going to be able to stop you. I was not – yes, the score does not indicate the fact that the, the talent gap was – was enormous. Like it was, it was enormous. This but game should have been fifty six to fourteen. It should have been. And I go back to the thing you said. There's going to be players on this team, and I know if you win every week, it's not going to matter as much. There's going to be players on this team that get antsy if you don't go out there against bad teams and complete twenty one to twenty three passes. Yes, and I've said that the number of completions Oregon needs to have every single week is twenty three. That's the number that's going to keep everybody happy, and. And have over 35 rushes as well. So that's going to put you at like 70 some odd plays. But if you look, Oregon only ran like 56, 55, 56 plays. So and 12 and 10 for 21 from your quarterback is not going to cut it. So they have to do better as far as if they want to hold on to some of this elite wide receiver talent. And I know that there is a ceiling with Anthony Brown at quarter quarterback, but but you know what? Um, I if my if my memory serves me correct, actually, I don't even need to use my memory. I can literally just go to the stats which is uh, the turnover margin. And I don't want to pull it up because Oregon is leading the nation in uh, turnover margin, but that'll actually be interesting to see how the other teams are stacking up as well. Uh, but do you, do, while, while I'm finding that, do you have any other thoughts or comments on this game? Yeah. I mean, um, I think Arizona's probably found the quarterback that's going to work for them because Jordan McLeod was able to get 64 yards on the ground, which means he's able to keep some drives alive. Obviously, they're going to want him to cut down on the massive amount of interceptions, but they were trying to throw their way back into the game. Um, a lot of those came at the end. It's the best they're going to do that hopefully they find somebody with these midseason tryouts. Um because you just it's it's frustrating. Your guy Verone McKinley got another interception. He is well on his. He's putting together quite a special season. Um, obviously, the Chris Hudson Mario Cristobal interaction is something that we can get into now or later um, because that was very very interesting to me. Uh, Mario Cristobal going after Chris Hudson on the, a catch that uh, was on the way to putting him in field goal range right before the half, and then he spun the ball, which hit him with a 15 yard penalty, which means. They're not in field goal range. They end up not getting points before the half. And Mario Cristobal lit into Chris Hudson in front of everybody to the point where your guy Rod Gilmore even chastised him um, on the broadcast. And I didn't necessarily agree. I didn't think he needed to throw his headset. But I thought that you don't have that type of interaction with with a star wide receiver or a star wide receiver in the making. You don't have that type of interaction with him unless he knows that he's wrong and you trust that he can hear you. Yes. And the interaction was was fairly positive outside of a – broken headset and then you think about it he went right back in like at, at, like he played another 25 plays in the game so it's not like he got benched he just got yelled at and right. i always judge these situations by how i would react if this happened to my kid 
And I would have and I would have been yelling at my own kid from from the stands, even though that this is a stupid penalty anyway, like that should not be a be a penalty. But everybody knows that it is going to be a penalty. So you can't do selfish things like like that. Um, but I just want to point out the uh, University of Arizona walk on tryout tweet is up to 300 quote tweets. <laughs> it has doubled since we started this podcast. Nice. All right. Uh, I found the stats for turnover margin. So Oregon is leading the conference at three per game. They've only lost one turnover on the whole season. The next closest team with the least amount of turnovers is Colorado, believe it or not. But they've only gotten two turnovers um, in, in terms of total giveaways. Um, Oregon State is positive as well. They've lost five turnovers, but they have gotten. Um, yeah, so they have gotten. Oh, so they are plus four on the year. And because they've gotten nine total turnovers, eight interceptions and one fumble. Oregon is plus 12. Then next UCLA is plus two. Stanford is plus two. Oh, oh, I wonder why all these teams are, are winning football games. Um, Washington State is plus one. Unbelievably, because their defense is forcing a lot of turnovers. Colorado is a, a turnover margin of zero. So is Arizona State. They've given six, gotten six. USC is minus one. Washington is minus two. Utah is minus two. Cal is minus two and Arizona is minus seven. So which is which is more impressive? Oregon being plus 12 through four games and only having one giveaway or the fact that Oregon State is doing so well? Uh, I think if you are plus 12 through four games, that's insane. I, that that's that's a plus three margin per game. That's incredible. That's incredible. There, there's nothing more impressive than being plus 12 in turnovers through four games. No, you are right it, about that. The, the, a, a higher margin of victory would be more impressive. But <laughs> No, you are. You are right. <laughs> All right. So we got Colorado at ASU. And I think that we have to acknowledge that Jaden Daniels looks pretty ordinary right right now. That That's that he doesn't a... look like a special that when when he was a freshman, we thought that he could. And I even wrote an article about him potentially being a trans, uh, you, you know, a transformative quarterback for Arizona State. And through two se- a season and a half since he hasn't looked like that. He was dynamic on the on the ground. He rushed for 75 yards and two two touchdowns. But as far as throwing the football this season, he has not been at the level that you would have expected. 808 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, are you ready? Are we ready to have this conversation? Yeah. He's played 20 games. He has 24 touchdowns in 20 games. Mm. 24 and six is a good season. That's his career. Um, Wait, 24 and 24 touchdowns, six interceptions for his in in 20 games. Yeah, now you got nine touchdowns on the ground. 
But he, here's here's the thing. We were putting him in the same breath as like a... I mean, we we're talking about him contending for awards after his freshman season. We were saying if he can build off what he did as a freshman, this guy might win awards. Yeah. Right? T- averaging 1.2 touchdown passes per game is not awards. 1.2 touchdowns per game and 0.5 rushing touchdowns per game is not going to get it. He doesn't even average two touchdowns per game in as far as far as his production. Like yeah. and I, so I, I see Oklahoma fans booing Spencer Rattler for putting up better stats than this and obviously they have four Heisman winners in the last 18 years at the quarterback position. But like I mean he's he's in his last 8 games in his last eight full games, George, he is five and three. He's got seven touchdowns and four interceptions and six rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he's going to, it's not, everybody expected him to be a three year guy and go to the league. I would be very surprised if he enters the NFL draft at this point, right? Would he come back to a school that has a different staff than the one that brought him in? Uh, he may be. He, ooh, so if you so so you're pondering the possibility that Arizona that he ends up in the portal after this year. I don't know who would even stay. If the whole staff goes, what would you stay for? If you get the to pick, if you're a graduate transfer, you get to pick where you're going to go. You can pick the best available offensive coordinator. I don't know. Here, George. Mm. Here's. Yeah. This season, there I would are at least three- hear the pitch from the new coach. Yeah. There are three games this year where Jaden Daniels did not throw a touchdown pass. There have been four games total. He has two touchdown passes in four games. There are That's eight weird. games left. That's he weird. is on pace for six touchdown passes over the course of a full season. Yeah, but he may he may run for twelve. He is on pace for six rushing touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, so and I told you it's going to be the running game in the defense that carries this team, and I do appreciate his ability to get out of danger. He's completing seventy three percent of his passes, but it's just not. I don't know. Herm Edwards set the goal that they wanted to be running seventy plays a game. I don't think they're anywhere close to that. Yeah, as an average right now. And so they beat Colorado 35 to 13. And this Colorado team is atrocious, bro. It's not good. Um, Defensively, I like a lot of the pieces that they have. I definitely like what they're doing at defensive back. Um, But when your offense doesn't move the ball at all, because they they got run the four consecutive drives before they kicked a field goal. And then they like celebrated that field goal on the sideline. And it was very sad to watch. Yeah, dude, and Brendan Lewis is having a very, very tough time. Part of it is that they can't protect him, but he's 7 for 17 for 67 yards in this game. Yeah, and Brendan Rice favorited my tweet of Carl Durrell that just said, hello, darkness, my old friend. And then I went over to Brendan Rice's Instagram, and he just has a picture of himself, and it says, free me with the chain emoji. <laughs> so things are not going well for that offense. Yikers, bro! Yikers! Like they have, and 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 they have two really good running backs on their roster. 
really good, but it doesn't matter if everybody can just key on them. They still managed to rush for what, 175 against ASU? Yeah. It's pretty good. Yep. All right. Last game up, which was the most shocking result. I thought Oregon State could win this game, but I thought that they would win it if the under hit. Well, the over hit by a lot, and it was 72 points total. Uh, Oregon State 45, USC 27. And the coldest part about this game was, was that the referees were horrendously against Oregon State. They at one, one point in time, I think they had four straight plays with holding penalties, and it did not matter. They just came and ran them over. They ran for three hundred and twenty-two yards, Ralph. Three hundred and twenty-two, and Chance Nolan threw fifteen for nineteen, and two of them, and two of the his four incompletions were interceptions. And BJ Baylor went for a buck. 58, Chance Nolan went for 57, Fenwick went for 53. Everybody who touched the ball was just running, just gashing them. This let, uh linebacker score on you twice in Jack Coletto? Yeah. He's a linebacker. <laughs> he scores Damn. twice. Damn, bro. This team is – Jonathan Smith has this team rolling – and they what about SoCal boy Tajon Lindsay five catches for I don't think he's ever had a hundred yard receiving game before. Well, five catches, hundred two yards receiving, two touchdowns for the free. And you had Dante Williams, who is the interim head coach. And there's a lot of people who are throwing blame at him around, but like the, the hay was in the barn already. You didn't. You can't. You can't. There's nothing you could do about an ass whooping. Like you can't. You can't coach a team to be a more serious physical football team. Like you cannot in two weeks. He's out. He's out. By the way, he's done. He's done as a candidate. It's Who? over. Dante. Oh, why? It's over. Why they they beat Washington State last week, right? <laughs> but the last time that Oregon State. I'm going to let you guess. And we're going to play a game called Guess the President the last time Oregon State won in L.A. Mm, Truman. Okay, you say Truman. I'm going to say JFK. We'll see who's right. The president in 1960 was oh. Eisenhower. <laughs> Eisenhower. <laughs> out here building freeways so that you can get to <laughs> oh my god so th- this was a historic win for the beavers program launched <laughs> them to three and Literal one history so usc ran for with keontae ingram 14 for 79 yards two touchdowns and this was a disaster. Keaton Slovis threw three interceptions. Threw this the offense is weak sauce, man. I know we've been saying it for years, but you don't actually you don't actually get the gist of it until you watch the offense go up against someone who runs a real offense with much less talent and you get destroyed. Yep. Dude, they are they are Boat race, dude. Like they are. 
What did I tell you the biggest weakness for Oregon State was on the defensive side of the ball? It's how Purdue beat the living hell out of them in the second half of their only loss this year. Tight ends. Yep. Their weakness is tight ends. Eric Cromenhook and Jude Wolf, four catches for 15 yards against Oregon State. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the leading, t- the leading tackler for your defense is your strong safety. That's never. That good. should not be. That should not be be it. That means that the that the running backs are are in your secondary all day. When Drake Jackson's draft stock plummeting, Chris Steele's draft stock plummeting. Isaac Taylor Stewart's supposed to be a five star. He got a pick in this game, but like they gave up. Four t- the four touchdowns, the four touchdown passes to Chance Nolan is just a reminder that in the last three years, this USC team has given up four touchdown passes to Chance Nolan, gave up four touchdown passes to Joey Yellen. Back up, up at ASU when he came it, in for Jaden Daniels. It gave up four total touchdowns to Justin Herbert, gave up four total touchdowns to uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. They've been outplayed. They've been outplayed by Chance Nolan and Joey Yellen. And, ugh. I don't know. Call it, I bet Brendan Lewis at Colorado is just counting down the days till they get to play USC. <laughs> He's like, yes. Yes. I'm going to get right against these five-star defensive backs. Yeah, oh, my God. Can Todd Orlando even come back now? Graham Harrell can't. No, Graham, Graham no. Harrell probably needs to replace Jonathan Smith when Jonathan Jonathan Smith takes his rightful position as the head coach of University of Southern California. Dude, he should be the next head coach, and we will talk talk about that in a couple minutes. But uh, yeah, this team is an absolute disaster and a dumpster fire. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now on to our Pac-12 Power Rankings. So we'll go 12 through 7, and then we'll go 6 through 1. My number 12 team, Arizona. Number 11, Colorado. That's going to be a hell of a matchup. Um, I, it, it's got to be on Pac, Pac-12, right? No, man. They got to get that on some basic cable so everybody ABC can watch. ABC so everybody can watch. All right, number 10, Washington State. Number 9, Utah. 8. USC seven cow six oh yeah seven cow okay um I have the same bottom three uh Arizona Colorado Washington State um even though Washington State could be four and0 at this point which is crazy to think about Cal who could also be four and0 I have them at number nine Utah at eight and USC at seven I don't okay. know why yours sounds like it makes more sense than mine <laughs> okay, so how did you get? Hmm. How did I get USC above Cal and Utah? Yeah. Uh. Well, no, no, no. I, I, I have them above Utah, but not above Cal. Because we're we're in agreement on the bottom three. I think that that's simple yeah. math. And then. You could yeah. technically have USC as low as 10, but they beat Washington State, so you got to, I guess, have them above? I yeah. don't know. You're probably right. I guess I guess if I had to, I'd switch mine. No. But I don't, I don't know if I, I I would switch it to be what yours is. I would, I would move Utah into the 9 slot and then USC into the 8 slot and have Cal above them, I guess. That's, that's, what, I, that's what I have. Cal looks better than their yeah. Th- this is a weird thing to say, but like Cal looks better than their record, and they actually look a little bit better than the talent that they put up. Well, the they they look like they're going to put up a good fight and just lose in the end. Um, all right, Washington at six, Stanford at five, ASU just by default at four, Oregon State at three, UCLA at two, Oregon at one. We're the exact same, except I have ASU at three and Oregon State at four instead of Oregon State at three and ASU at four. And my reasoning for that is Purdue beat Oregon State. ASU beat themselves at BYU. Okay. All right. So, yeah, so those are our power rankings. I still don't know what to make out of ASU yet. 
still don't know what what to make out of them. What do you want from them? I mean, I want them to beat a good foot. Uh, well, we will. I, I will learn everything that I need to know about ASU this weekend when they play UCLA. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if 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 uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson isn't in a full body cast. <laughs> that he's going to break out, dude. Uh, he's going to come out like Willis Reed. All right. Let's do our picks for this weekend. Um, let me pull them up. So the first game that we have up this weekend is pull it up. So Arizona is off this weekend, mercifully, right? Yeah. Yeah, they got some tryouts to prepare for. Yeah. And who who else is off as well? And, yeah, so Arizona and Cal. Nope, not Cal. And, nope, not, not Stanford. Who is that? Colorado. They could use the break. Nope. They play US, no. USC. You struggling? What's happening yes, here? Yes, I can't find the, the bi- damn the bi- team. Teams, the bi teams are Arizona and Utah. Okay, thank you. See, you just left left me out here struggling. It was funny. Thanks, Ralph. <laughs> Thanks, Ralph. Thanks. It was funny. Okay, so first game up in chronological order, we have USC at Colorado. This is on Saturday at eleven a.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Yogi Roth is on this game with Ted Ted Robinson. USC is favored by seven points. Well, I love Yogi Roth as a broadcaster. I do too. He, that man he, is just like dragging the sunshine into the cloudiest yeah. of places. <laughs> um, and uh, USC is favored by seven points over under a 51. I will take USC minus seven and the over. This is a bounce back game for them because, Col- dude, there's no way that USC's defense can even make Colorado look good. I suppose, but USC is mostly trying to do it through the air, and Colorado's strength is their defensive backfield. Um, So if Keaton Slovis looks bad this game, do they go to Miller Moss being that? I think it'd be a good game to do that. And I mean, you know, you know how much I love Keaton Slovis, but I think I think Miller Moss is a dink and dunk guy in my head. He's a quick decision dink and dunk guy. You let your athletes make plays. I don't think that'd be the worst thing to do against Colorado, but I don't. They're probably going to roll with Slovis because it's he hasn't really done anything hey, like terrible. Slovis is going to be wherever Graham Harrell is next season because he's going to skip. He's going to hop into transfer portal as well. Well, Keaton Slovis is going to be absolutely fine because I don't know if you noticed, but the quarterback playing the Pac-12 is garbage. He'd be such a huge upgrade for about eight of these teams. He could go to Colorado and be an upgrade. But he could play at – he could show up to the walk-on tryouts at University of Arizona in two weeks and be the starter the next day. Oh, and be at home. That, that That's a good point. All right, so who do you have in this game? USC uh, minus seven, over under 51. My In my head, it's a 27 to 13 game. So um, I guess I'll take USC and the under. All right. Uh, next game up. Oregon at Stanford. Oregon's favored by eight points over under of 57 and a half. The first four weekends of October are Oregon's gauntlet. 
They really are. Yep. Like the next three games over the next four weekends is is and I think this is this is a tricky one, man. This is a really tricky one because Stanford, for all their flaws, they don't really turn the ball over. And that's what Oregon has been taking advantage of. So if Stanford protects the ball, they might actually I'm I'm actually gonna go with Stanford plus eight and a half. I don't think they win. But if they limit their turnovers, then that would give this game uh, the opportunity to be a little bit of a nail biter. I don't, I don't know if Oregon can score enough. Mm. I'll take the over. I don't, I don't like the over at all. But if we're, if we're thinking like 35, 27 or something like that, that that's a push. Yeah. I'm going to take the under, I'm going to take Stanford in the under. Oh, Lordy. All right. I'm going to take Oregon and the over. That's a lot of points. Yeah, but or- Oregon's scoring over 30 points a game. So, yeah. In, in, in games against Arizona and Stony Brook. Would and, you watch both and, of those games? And who Ohio State. Who would win? Who would win between Arizona and Stony Brook? <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm dead ass serious. They lost to NAU, so how am I supposed to know the answer to that? Okay. Arizona State at UCLA, the biggest game of the, well, yeah, I would say the biggest game of the week in terms of well, actually actually every game Oregon plays right now is crucial to the conference. So I think anytime you have a top five team playing, it's gonna be bigger than whatever else is going on. Yeah, so you got Arizona State at number 20, UCLA. UCLA. Where did Arizona State finish as far as the rankings this week? Uh, I will pull it up. They finished. Because it's got to be a win in your end scenario, right? Like Like 31 or 30. Yeah, 31. Man, people do not respect BYU. No, 32. Sorry, they finished 32. And BYU is the number 15 team in the country? Yeah, hold up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So no, they finished thirty fourth. That is super disrespectful. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Why is that? In a, you had nineteen flags and four turnovers against the number fifteen team in the country, and lost by ten. And you were twenty. One at the but time, but they have no good wins. None. They have no good wins. So after the if they beat UCLA this week, they will be ranked. But but the over but the spread in this game, UCLA is favored by three and a half points. Over under fifty five and a half. Give me the Bruins and give me the over. All right. I see the coaches pulled disrespected Arizona State even more. Fascinating. So three coaches poll, coaches poll also put Clemson above NC State, so they're idiots. Yeah, exactly. When they literally beat them. All right. Um. With yeah, that the coaches can't even watch games. I don't even know why they even vote. Um. Uh, so you have Arizona State at UCLA minus three and a half. Who you got over under fifty five and a half? Hmm. I like the. I like the Sun Devils plus three and a half. And 
the under. Plus three unders in a row. Shoot. Yeah, I like the Sun Devils plus three and a half in the under. Dude. Okay. They've already got one one loss. You predicted them to go 11 and one. They got three more to go, buddy. Yeah, and you know I'm riding. You know I'm you know I'm riding with my original prediction. I'm not I'm not making this judgment off of what is because if I was doing it based off of what I see. I still think it might only be a three-point win for UCLA, but I just – the lack of discipline from ASU, the lack of uh, multi-dimensional offense, and the fact that Chip Kelly has had Herm Edwards' number and that it's in the Rose Bowl. And they are going to confuse him. They're going to blitz his face, dude. They are going to blitz his face. So Okay, so just let it be known. Let it be known so I can't take too much credit if I'm right. Let it be known that I'm riding with my original – prediction which is why i'm on asu plus three and a half i'm doubling down but i'm fully fully aware of the situation at hand i am not stupid okay okay <laughs> i said i am not stupid all right um, just insane just insane that's the definition of insanity right all right doing the same thing over yep. and over oh, again and expecting a different result all right yeah. now washington state at cal Cal is favored by seven and a half points. Over under 52 and a half. What do you like? Can you imagine a, a non one score Cal game? No, no, that's, yeah, that's all they do. Yeah. They almost pulled it off with uh, Portland state as well. I think, um, or Sacramento state, whoever they played the green team from the big sky. That's both of them, I guess. Uh, Washington State's down and out, man. Is do we're in the same situation we were in? Is Jaden Delora going to be ready or not? I don't know. I don't know. Let's let's assume he's not. Then if he's not, I'll take the seven and a half. What was the over under? The over under is fifty two and a half. Over. I take Cal in the over. I am going to take. Washington State and the uh, – I'm going to take Washington State and the under. I have no good reason for this. I don't. I'm, <laughs> I'm admitting I have no good reason for this. Um, that game's on Pac-12 Network as well. And, oh, oh, and then ironically, Oregon, the Oregon-Stanford game, Rod Gilmore is calling that game too. Oh, that's good. That are you are you going to watch or are you going to find a radio broadcast to No, dude, I'm going to I'm going to watch. I'm not one of these weird old people who's like, "I watched it with the sound off." No, I I don't do that. Hey, I do. I I watch um I I have a hard time syncing them up. But if I, usually if I'm going to listen to radio, it's just radio, actually. No, you're right. Doing both is such a hassle now cuz the stream is behind the yep. radio call sometimes. Um so no, I'm 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 with you, uh, but I do like to, I like listening to the games on the radio as much as I like watching them on television. If the broadcast crew can paint a good picture, yeah, uh, not not me. I'd rather watch it. A pick, a, a words cannot describe the amazing things that happen in games. All right, um, <laughs> he says he says on our audio only podcast. <laughs> Maybe we should make a video. All right, uh, Washington at. Oregon State, 
Oregon State is favored by two and a half points over under 56. This game is in Corvallis. Give me the over and give me Oregon State. Give me Jonathan Smith. He is auditioning for this USC job, bro. I, I They are going to pummel Washington. If they pummel Washington, you're going to have a Seattle versus L.A. bidding war for Jonathan Smith. I disagree with you. I am. I'll go uh, figure. I'm going to go full contrarian. I'm going I'm to be uh, uh, Kyrie Irving here, contrarian without a cause. I am going to go with Washington. I do not believe Oregon State's for real. I don't. What? I don't. I don't. I heard people. I, hear, I saw you and Andrew Hobner talking about Chance Nolan being the second best quarterback in the Pac-12. Who? No. Who? Who's better? Who is a better quarterback than? Yep. Give Jonathan Smith to half of the other Pac-12 quarterbacks. No, 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 no. Who is he playing? He wasn't even be- good enough to win the starting job outright at that school. Who is playing better? Who's playing the best quarterback football in the Pac-12? Literally right anyone now. who faces USC's defense. You can't overreact to that stuff. Again. Joey Yellen threw for four touchdowns. I'm like just Joey. I'm just asking who is playing better. So Keaton Keaton Slovis? No. Chase Garbers? No. Well, the Dylan unfortunate Morris? thing for no. Keaton Slovis is he doesn't get to play against USC. Um, the Washington you know State Keaton quarterbacks? Slovis no. Colorado quarterbacks? No. Practice. Utah quarterbacks? No. Um, dude, it's he wins by default. There's nothing going right. Right. Not right, right. everybody has gotten to face the Trojans yet. Wait till everybody gets to play USC. <laughs> <laughs> so if he lights up Washington, will you give him king king of the Pac-12 right right now? Or do you think it has to be Anthony Brown because he hasn't committed a turnover yet this season? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> it's not Anthony Brown. Um, but uh I don't know why not. Okay, he just went for 10 for 21 against Arizona, but you're going to say him not turn the ball over. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to have this argument with you. I'll I'll tell you this. Yes, yes. If he repeats last week's performance against the Purple Rain or whatever they call themselves, then sure. But this secondary is very good. They're very well coached. I don't think it's going to be that easy. I think the balance of Oregon State's offense is what could what could ultimately win them this game. Um, but I am taking Washington in the under. So I'll be the fool. But you know, you know what I really like about this lineup of games, George? What? There's only one game that kicks off at 1030 at night my time. Dude, and the good news, they're spread out throughout the day. The only thing I don't like is that the USC Colorado – well, actually, the USC Colorado game is going to be a blowout. So I can, like, watch games stacked up and don't have to be like, oh, my God, there's four on at 7 o'clock like there was last week or seven. Last week was brutal. I fell asleep, like, three times in the fourth quarter of the three games that were all on at once because it was, like, 1.15 in the morning. But then I had to set an alarm. I had to set an alarm for 1.30 a.m. because I was doing a podcast of somebody else's on the West Coast. Yep. Hey, this is the, this is the life. You're the one who chose to move to Timbuktu. Um, <laughs> so those are the picks for the week. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick 
and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. Now we have USC's coaching carousel. Well, sorry, the Survivor Series that is for the USC coaching job. Now, Ralph put out a list on unafraidshow.com so you guys can go check it out of all the potential candidates and who should get the and why they should or should not receive the job. So now we will go with who is supposed to well actually there were some candidates already and that is um PJ Fleck who was high on people's list is he still a candidate nah he's done he was he he was walk. I thought he was a fantastic candidate. He was kind of walking a tightrope, and then they had that. Uh, they lost to Bowling Green. You can't you can't do that. And I almost it was almost to the point where I was like, man, is Minnesota trying to keep PJ Fleck as their head coach? <laughs> yes, sabotaging, tanking. So, so the rest of the candidates besides PJ Fleck were Dante Williams, Mario Cristobal, James Franklin, Eric Bieniemy, Joe Brady. Lane Kiffin, Luke Fickle, Billy Napier, Chris Peterson, Urban Meyer, Bob Stoops, Matt Campbell, Bill O'Brien, Tony Elliott, and now we have to add Jonathan Smith to the list and uh, Marcus Freeman, the Notre Dame um, defensive coordinator who came from Cincinnati. And you know that you know that um, that USC isn't hiring a search firm, right? Correct. So what's going to continue to happen is boosters 
are going to reach out to people of their own volition. Oh, like like Anthony Lynn. And now, so now it's being reported that Anthony Lynn has been talked to by USC boosters. Yep. Former head coach of the LA Chargers. Okay. So now through four weeks of football, who is eliminated from the list? PJ Flex gone. Dante Williams is gone. Um, those two for sure are not. I, I I think that they are completely out of consideration. And Ooh, I would say, how that about Tony Elliott? Tony Elliott, Clemson fans are calling for his firing as of yesterday. So I would say that he's eliminated as well. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that leaves us with. Bill O'Brien, Matt Campbell, Stoops, Urban Meyer, Chris Peterson, Billy Napier, Luke Fickle, Lane Kiffin, Joe Brady, Eric Bieniemy, James Franklin, Mario Cristobal. I'm going to scratch Mario Cristobal off that list because he's not going. And I'm going to go ahead and eliminate Urban Meyer because it would never happen in a million years. Correct. So he's off the list. And one of the things that I've said about this USC job is it is a really good job. But you have to remember that they want a A-plus rock star name brand and all of that. Which Pete Carroll was not. Correct. Got to remind people, Pete Carroll was not that. And that's not what they're going to get because they, they need a full rebuild on the offensive line or rebuild in some other spots. This is not going to be while, – while this is a job, a good job, the people that they want already have good jobs. So are you going to be willing to leave your really good job for a job that now you have to rebuild? And that's so that's the internal debate about James Franklin. James Franklin has four straight top 10 recruiting classes. They look good right now. He's from Pennsylvania. And I guess if you really want to get into it, that's part of the argument about Luke Fickle as well. He's been in Ohio for his entire career. He's never left. Not only did he get Cincinnati to the point where they're they're competitive, he has them joining a major conference. Yep. Okay, so we will ultimately see who – because this is an attractive job, but I think that they're going to find out that less people are willing to leave where they are for it, and that's a humbling experience, just just like Texas. That's why they had to hire uh, Steve Sarkissian, who was I at Washington, seven-win Sark, then came down to USC, got fired rehabbed his image and all this stuff at Alabama. And then now he came out, came out of the car wash smelling like new money and you give him the job. He wasn't their first, one of their first five picks. So you, they're going to fall into that same category of a lot of people want the job that a lot of people like the idea of the job, then less people are willing to take the job. Yeah. I don't know. So where where are you at? Who is your uh, Jonathan Smith from Oregon State? That's who all the chips need to go toward Jonathan Smith. Like he's the guy you need to break the bank to get. And you don't even have to break the bank to get him. Yeah. To me, he's the smartest. He's the smartest choice. But because he's the head coach of a smaller school, the risk that is presented if you go after Jonathan Smith is if he turns you down. That would be the absolute kill shot is if you take the risk of going after a smaller name who would actually probably be the best hire uh, because it will it would probably allow you to keep Dante Williams um, 
and let somebody run an offense that would keep your stars looking like stars. Um, and you'd be the smartest guy in the room, you know, as far as how to put together an offense and stuff like that. Uh, but if he turns you down, that's pretty brutal. And so I would also keep an eye on somebody who has coached in the Pac-12, somebody who's coached under Davo Swinney, somebody who's coached under Nick Saban, somebody who has uh, taken a group of five school into a top 25 ranking in multiple seasons in Billy Napier. I'd keep an eye on him as well. All right. Well, that's USC's coaching search. And you guys, this is the Pac-12 Apostles podcast. Enjoy the games this week. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden. Hit us up, 818-293-7547 or 818, well, that, or I'm mad, I-M-M-A-D at unafraidshow.com. Peace out. Catch you guys next episode. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.